0: Radio.com.
1: Arise, it's a new day, hear His word.
2: It is Friday, the 23rd of June. Let's begin by praying together in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. O Lord, hear. O Lord, pardon. Forgive us our pride. Forgive us our stubbornness of heart. Forgive us our anger against one another. Forgive us our greed in all its forms. Forgive us our mercilessness. Forgive us the harm we have done. God of mercy and compassion, you hold out to us the hand of your mercy, to raise us up from the misery of our selfish sinfulness and what it has brought upon us and upon those whose lives we touch. Teach us to weep where we have caused weeping, to mourn where we have caused mourning, and to lift up what we have brought low. In hope and trust, we turn to you for healing through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. It is a better way to start a Friday morning, the Sunrise Morning Show, here on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. I'm Matt Swain. Anna Mitchell has news, Paul Lachman at the controls, and it is a Friday. How about that? Father Augustine Weta will be along with more decision-making advice from the Desert Fathers, another good monk story this morning. Brendan Hodge will uh, share more research related to how various demographics view this question of gender identity we're coming up on the anniversary of the roe v wade decision supreme court decision being overturned hard to believe that's been a year but we're going to talk about that uh, kind of see where we are as a culture uh, as a as a movement trying to promote the culture of life specifically and then father hezekiah carnazzo will look ahead to the sunday mass readings so stay with us if you can Right now, it is two minutes past. Here's Anna Mitchell with news.
1: Good morning. Three top pro-abortion groups are expected to endorse President Biden's re-election bid during a rally later today, marking one year since the Dobbs decision in which the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade. Since that decision, more than 20 states have passed either a ban or other highly pro-life policies on abortion. Biden has vowed to protect abortion and is expected to sign an executive order today designed to protect and expand access to contraception. He has already signed executive orders aimed at safeguarding travel for abortion and to get the abortion pill. A newly released report from Catholic Charity Aid to the Church in Need says religious freedom violations take place in one out of every three countries. From Vatican Radio, Linda Bordoni reports.
3: The authors of the Aid to the Church in Need report contextualize their findings within a tense global climate in which terrorist attacks, anti-conversion laws, financial crises, electoral manipulations and conflicts are on the rise, pointing out that over 4.9 billion people and that's the populations of one in three countries, are subject to increasing violations of religious freedom. ACN's biannual report names 61 out of 196 nations where citizens are affected by a crackdown on their faith. At the top of the list are the countries classified in a red category that denotes religious persecution. According to the report, there are 28 of them, 13 of which are in Africa, where the situation in many regions has drastically worsened. Then there is an orange category and an under-observation category that include countries where religious intolerance, discrimination and episodes of persecution are increasing. In most reported cases, the research shows governments are applying controversial bills that limit religious freedom or discriminate faith communities without protests being voiced. It also notes that violent attacks against the wrong religion are increasingly seen as normal and in particular in Latin America are not investigated by authorities. In Nigeria and Nicaragua, more and more religious majorities are being persecuted and a culture of impunity is on the rise. Some of the other nations under the ACN spotlight are India, Pakistan, Mozambique, DRC, Mali, Iran and Burkina Faso. The report notes that persecution against Muslims is also globally on the rise, as is anti-Semitism in Europe. I'm Linda Bodoni.
1: The papal almoner is being sent on another charitable mission to Ukraine. The Holy See Press Office reports Cardinal Konrad Krajewski will be taking a van to Ukraine carrying much-needed medicines. A second truck will follow him, bringing more food and other medical supplies. The statement says, quote, "The journey includes a visit to the Kherson region, where, following the destruction of a dam, the innocent population is in great distress, and many people have lost their lives." End quote. Cardinal Krajewski told Vatican News he understands his mission is to be with them to pray with them, and to be a sign of unity. A U.S. Navy official says the implosion of the Titan submersible was likely heard on Sunday. The official said in a statement that an analysis of acoustic data found that a, quote, anomaly consistent with an implosion or explosion was found in an area where the sub was when communication stopped. A U.S. defense official also said in a separate statement that an analysis done of the banging noises picked up by sonar were not from the sub, but natural ocean sounds or biological noises. The Coast Guard confirmed yesterday the submersible used to view the Titanic was found demolished on the ocean floor and its five passengers are dead. Interstate 95 in Philadelphia will reopen later today. Mark Mayfield reports.
4: Pennsylvania's Department of Transportation says six temporary lanes will be open to traffic starting Friday at noon local time. The highway has been closed for nearly two weeks after a fiery tanker crash caused a collapse of the roadway. The closure has had an impact on both local traffic and nationwide shipping. Governor Josh Shapiro has praised construction crews who have worked around the clock to fix the highway. I'm Mark Mayfield.
1: A new poll finds a majority of Americans believe gender to be determined at birth. The UMass Amherst survey found 60 percent of respondents said that being a man or a woman is permanent and cannot be changed by how a person identified. MassLive.com reported the poll conducted by YouGov questioned about a thousand people and has a margin of error of 3.4 percent. And Major League Baseball is releasing the finalists for the 2023 All-Star Game. Braves outfielder Ronald Acuna Jr. and Angels two-way star Shohei Atani each earned automatic starting spots after leading all vote-getters in Phase 1. For the rest of the ballot, each position has been narrowed down to two finalists, with there also being six outfielder finalists for the three starting spots. The MLB All-Star starters... Will be revealed on June 29th, ahead of the game, which will be played July 11th at T-Mobile Park in Seattle.
2: All right, now we got it set. So, so you gotta
1: go get you gotta go get voting.
2: I gotta go for get our red hot Reds. So uh, you gotta do that, but you know, in the meantime, Otani. I mean, it's there's not it's not really a mystery. Yeah, I think uh, Paul Lockman and I were talking off air. Recently, I I think he leads the Angels in batting average, homers, doubles, triples, stolen bases, uh, RBI. I think he also leads them in starts, strikeouts, wins, and ERA, and I think perhaps innings pitched. He's a beast. I mean, he's a unicorn. That's the kind of beast that he is. He's fun to watch. Yeah, for sure. We'll we'll see how it all goes with the All-Star game. I wonder who the home run derby people will be. I guess we're a little ways away from I'll, hearing about that. You know,
1: I'll I'll be sure to be on top of that and reporting it when when that news comes down.
2: I'm sure you will. Will Pete Alonso come back and just polar bear his way to another record? I don't know. Hmm. Who knows? Who knows? It's nine minutes past the hour. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Father Augustine Weta. We've been going through his book, Pray, Think, Act, Make Better Decisions with the Desert Fathers. It's helping me. I don't know if it's helping you all. But it's helping me, Father Augustine. Good morning.
5: Good morning. Hey, listen, I got to give a shout out to the Rempe family. They heard me on your show last week, and there's at least one kid now in the school who thinks I'm cool. So, uh, whoa, uh, hello to the Rempes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if I could get one
2: kid to think I would be cool, that'd be one kid in my favor. So,
5: <laughs> exactly. Like I've got, I, I'm finally starting to get popular in high school.
2: Me 40 well, I was about years. to say, it took me a long <laughs> time, and I'm still not popular in high school yet. But, uh, well, I'm
5: only popular with the rempies. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, we get to talk about an old monk story, as we do every yep. week at this segment. And here we have the story of an old monk and the thing that he said to himself every morning when he woke up and every evening when he went to bed. I wonder uh-huh, if you could share yeah. that with us.
5: Well, the story goes that an old monk said, every morning when the sun rises, I asked myself, how shall I do God's will today? And every evening, as the sun sets, I ask myself, well, did you do it? <laughs> Which, again, <laughs> I love these guys. They're just so simple. Um, I mean, the, the faith was very new to them, and so and, and so was theology, really, in general. And so they just had such a simple way of looking at things. If I, if I. If I just put this practice in effect in my own life, I think things would go a lot better for me,
2: at least. Well, it'd certainly go a lot better for me because when I rise, my thing, you know, I try and do my best in the mornings, but often I default really, really quickly to, okay, um, how do I answer this set of 5,000 emails that I'm behind on? Yeah. At least 20 voicemails I got to get back to. And forget that kind of underlying the principle question, which is like, how shall I do God's will today? Because that how shall I do God's will today, it can take a bunch of different forms. Like, I can answer those right. emails in 30 or 40 different ways and still be within the range of God's will, <laughs> right, if I'm asking that question.
5: That's right. And, and not to forget that it may be God's will that you fail. <laughs> I, I think that's, I, I try to tell my students that, that I mean, we have here in St. Louis one of the great failure saints. Saint Philippine Duchenne, who wanted, who worked her whole life to be a missionary to the Indians, and uh, she, she finally got. They they had her found girls' schools. They they sent her all around the country, but they never. Um, she she never actually got to go to the Indian missions until she was seventy-five. By that point, she couldn't learn the language or do any work or anything. She, they took. They they made her come back after a year. She could, all her life, she wanted to be a, 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 a missionary. She converted one Indian who apostatized three months after she died. So I think it's possible that, in fact, I think in her case, I know it's the case that she was called to be a missionary. She just wasn't called to be a successful missionary. So you may never get those emails answered, or you may answer them the wrong way, and that may be God's will,
2: I think. Yeah. That's, that's a hard thing to hear, Father. It may be God's will that you fail today.
5: It is. Uh, I'm sure it is. In fact, I, I, I've been personally called to fail. I'm a rugby coach, and we haven't had a. Uh, I'm pretty sure I'm called to be a rugby coach. I've been doing it for 20 years. We haven't had. We have never had a winning season. <laughs> but if you look at the long history of of our salvation, starting with the Israelites and working your way all the way up through the apostles um god has this real thing for failures he really likes us so we can take that as consolation but the 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 really important thing is to actually do something <laughs> to do anything and to do it with love right
2: well i mean i think that's and you point this out in your your section kind of unpacking this story that's where that's where so much of of the stuckness happens right you 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 get into right. a situation and you you overthink, like, what is God's will? Uh, what is the perfect, yeah. you know, thing that I must do in this situation to be? I mean, the, in some senses, this is the fallout of the what would Jesus do phenomenon of the late yeah. 90s and early 2000s. It's like, what G- would Jesus do in this situation? And you're so, you know, afraid that you'd do something that Jesus wouldn't in that situation that you forget that, like, that's, like, kind of the wrong question uh, to ask in the first place. The question should be more something like, who am I because of Jesus, and how does that change the way I think? <laughs> As opposed and, to, like, yeah. here's, here's, the, here's the thing. What would Jesus do in this exact set of circumstances? And besides that, what Jesus would do is probably something
5: very different from what you would do. I mean, he might walk straight across the lake, whereas you would be very ill-advised to try to do that. Right, you you ask Jesus, how should I do this, or how would Jesus make this decision? Not what would Jesus do, and and besides that, like we can spend a lot of time just wondering what Jesus would do, what Jesus might do, a, a million different things, right? But we are, in fact, called not to contemplate every single one of those million options, but actually, eventually, to do something. <laughs> And I think if we're prayerful and, and and our intentions are right, that God will work out the rest of it, you know, even if we make a mistake, even if we fail. No, no, well, I mean, just the point is not to get so caught up collecting information and analyzing data and consulting authorities that you don't come up with, that you never actually act, Right.
2: Yeah, well, let's deal with the second half of this question, because we've, we've dealt with the sunrise. I'm, I'm decent at sunrise because, you know, of uh, yeah. my occupation. Uh, you know, he, every morning when he rose, he asked himself, how shall I do God's will today? But that second half, every evening as the sun sets, he asked himself, did I do yeah. it? Um, so what do we do when we get to the end of the day and realize we didn't? <laughs> I mean, how are we supposed to handle that moving into the next sunrise?
5: Well, I am actually amazed at how many people I talk to who do not do an uh, an examination of conscience. It's it's such an easy thing to do, and there's so many different ones out there. You can pick, you can take your pick. But luckily, as Catholics, we don't have to reinvent the wheel, right? We've got all kinds of ways of, of taking stock of the success or failure or spiritual success or failure of our day. And one of those really main ways is to do an examination of conscience, to say, you know, to, to go commandment by commandment through your day and ask yourself, you know, failed. But but actually, you know, maybe even more importantly, how how you manage to do God's will, because you might have actually done it and not realized it.
2: Well, thanks so much, Father Augustine Weta. We got headlines coming up after the break. It's seventeen past.
6: Central Fabricators is proud to support the Sunrise Morning Show, where you'll get news from the Catholic perspective, while keeping you up to date on what's happening in the Vatican as well. It's also a great way to keep in touch with the Catholic faith throughout the week. Central Fabricators, based in Cincinnati, Ohio, is a family-owned business for over 75 years, manufacturing and repairing corrosion-resistant storage tanks, reactors, and pressure vessels. On the web at centralfabricators.com. That's
7: centralfabricators.com. Support from Angel Studios. This July 4th from Angel Studios, who brought you his only son and the chosen, comes a true story of courage and redemption. Sound of Freedom, starring Jim Caviezel, who portrayed Jesus in The Passion, and Academy Award winner Mira Sorvino. Inspired by remarkable acts of bravery, Sound of Freedom unveils the true events of a dangerous mission to save young, innocent lives. A story that shares hope and the power of human resilience. Sound of Freedom, made at PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. In theaters, July 4th. Do you use a single brew coffee maker at your home or in your workplace?
2: The Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have single-use coffee pods especially for you. Go to
1: the Mystic Monk Coffee site through our site, sunrisemorningshow.com, to browse the Monk Shot options. When you check out, we'll earn a commission.
2: And why not brew it straight into a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug? You can find those in our online store.
1: Buy a mug and link for some monk shots for your Keurig at
8: sonrisemorningshow.com. To ask, why should I pray, is the same as asking, why should I raise my mind and heart to God, since that's what prayer is. But when stated like that, it's pretty obvious. We need to pray because God is He to whom our minds and hearts are ultimately directed. Union with Him is our ultimate destiny. Without prayer, we lose our direction to God as our ultimate end, and thus set ourselves on a path that leads back into the slavery
2: of sin. 19 past. here's Anna with headlines.
1: Three top pro-abortion groups are expected to endorse President Biden during a rally later today to mark one year since the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade. A newly released report from Catholic Charity Aid to the Church in Need says religious freedom violations take place in one out of every three countries. And the papal almoner is being sent on another charitable mission to Ukraine.
2: You know, Anna Mitchell, I don't have time to watch much in the way of podcasts or YouTube Mm -hmm. thingies, but uh, I'm going to tell you about one that I'm interested in. And I've already seen the first episode of the series. Well, first of all, the the backdrop is that uh, for Father's Day, my family got me an Indiana Jones Lego set. Oh, nice. Pretty sweet. It's at the the original, like the first opening scene where like the big stone balls rolling down. And, you know, Mm -hmm. throw me the idol, I'll throw you the whip. That whole thing. I got Mm -hmm. that in Lego. A diorama. Cool. And uh, all this in light of the fact that the new Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny movie comes out next weekend. Yep. Uh, but Rod Bennett, your buddy and mine, mm-hmm. the early church historian but also film nerd, right, has started a series with his son uh, on their YouTube channel called Popcorn Cathedral where they talk about theology and old movies. And the question they're engaging is, why hasn't Indiana Jones converted? Ooh. Which is a fascinating question. So I would encourage you to go check out. They've only got one episode in. And they've really only just scratched the surface. But it is pretty amazing that Indiana Jones has seen the Ark of the Covenant destroy the Nazis. He saw the Holy Grail heal his father, Sean Connery, from a gunshot wound. Why? Why 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 haven't you converted? Hasn't Indiana Jones converted to any faith at all? Let alone ours. Hmm for iced tea. If you're looking for some unique flavors to enjoy, the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have a number of options, including lemongrass mint, ginger orange, and blossoming jasmine
1: go check them out through our link to Mystic Monk Coffee at s o n r i s e m o r n i n g s h o w . c o m and when you make a purchase we earn a commission
2: while you're at our site pick up a mug or etched travel mug which are available in our online store
1: get your mugs and link to Mystic Monk
9: Coffee for tea at sunrisemorningshow.com this past year has been a crazy roller coaster ride but you have the power to get your business back on track by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Weekday mornings, your message will reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners across the U.S. and around the globe who want to know more about and support Catholic businesses and organizations. To get national exposure for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah, at sacredheartradio.com.
10: A novena prayer for the intercession of St. Maximilian Kolbe. O Lord Jesus Christ, who said, greater love than this no man has than that a man lay down his life for his friends. Through the intercession of Saint Maximilian Kolbe, whose life illustrated such love, we beseech you to grant our petitions. Through the Knights of the Immaculata movement, which Maximilian founded, he spread a fervent devotion to Our Lady throughout the world. He gave up his life for a total stranger and loved his persecutors giving us an example of unselfish love for all people, a love that was inspired by true devotion to Mary. Grant, O Lord Jesus, that we too may give ourselves entirely without reserve to the love and service of our Heavenly Queen in imitation of your humble servant, Maximilian. Amen. For Sacred Heart Radio, this is Father Greg Connerman.
1: It's twenty-three minutes past the hour. You're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on EWTN. Brendan Hodges back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. He is Darwin from the Darwin Catholic blog. He's author of If You Can Get It from Ignatius Press and is a contributing editor to The Pillar. Good morning, Brendan. Good morning. It's good to have you. And uh, the Public Religion Research Institute has recently put out the results of their study into opinions over the politics of gender, pronouns, and public education. First off, can you just give us an overview of what all they covered in this study?
0: Yes. So this was a pretty wide-ranging study that they fielded three times in 2021, 2022, and 2023. So obviously this is a social hot-button issue right now. And so I think it's really interesting that they have got this study out there each year over the course of three years in a period when I think the perception is that potentially there's this is very much in the news and people's opinions are changing on this. And they fielded it through uh, what's called the Ipsos Knowledge Panel. So this is a large online panel of people who have agreed to take all sorts of different surveys. A lot of these would be product surveys, marketing surveys but they're also used for public opinion surveys. So they've talked about 5,000 people here, uh, which means they have a pretty low low margin of error, only about 1.5%. So this is a pretty accurate study. And the questions all focus around what people think about issues relating to gender, transgender, and gay and lesbian issues and um, how comfortable they feel with different things, both with uh, relationships, same-sex relationships, and also a lot of questions about how people feel about these things being discussed in school and how they feel about using pronouns and other things that they may not believe to be true.
1: Hmm. Okay. So um, you, you mentioned that in terms of survey size and you know what all is covered, that, that we can trust the... the accuracy of these results. But I do have a question about the language of these questions and if, if that is important here. I mean, were they worded in a different way? Would people have answered differently than what they actually believe? Or do you think we can pretty well trust these results based on the way they worded the questions?
0: So I think that these are a pretty fairly set of worded questions. One of the really interesting things that they do here is they use a point scale in relation to most of these questions here. So, for instance, when they say that, how comfortable do you feel with someone saying that they're in a relationship with someone of the same gender? They then have people answer, are you very comfortable, somewhat comfortable, somewhat uncomfortable, very uncomfortable. And then when they talk about different terms, uh, some of which are uh, uh, hot-button terms and some of which are kind of obscure terms, they give people, they ask people, Does this uh, describe you and it's important to you? Does it describe you and it's not important to you? Does it not describe you, not describe you at all, or you just don't know what the term means? Mm -hmm. They give you a fair number of options, and the the big headliner here that has been getting a lot of play is uh, the question about whether or not people think there's more than one gender. And there the question is, uh, when it comes to gender, do you feel strongly that there are only two genders, man and woman, Um, Do you think there are only two genders, but do not feel strongly about it? Uh, Over to the other extreme, do you feel strongly that there is a range of many possible gender identities?
1: Hmm. And this is a very interesting result that came. I personally found it very interesting, with only a couple of exceptions, Brendan, that almost every group that they have been covering saw a rise in the percentage who said, yes, there are only two genders.
0: Yeah, that was really interesting to me. So if you look at the two extremes here, the people who say that they feel strongly that there's a range of possible genders went down from 17% in 2021 to 14% in 2023. It's a small decrease and kind of close to the margin of error. They're just past it. But the interesting thing is the number of people who say that they feel strongly that there are only two genders, man and woman went from 42% in 2021 to 50% in 2023, uh, with uh, 2022 in the middle at 44%. So what we see here is a significant increase well outside the margin of error of people who went from being less certain on this topic to saying that they now feel strongly that there are only two genders, man and woman.
1: How did this um, fall in terms of, of religious breakdown, Brendan?
0: So that was also really interesting. Uh, as you look across uh, the religious breakdown, it really has a lot to do with secularism. So the religious group, which is most likely, uh, which is least likely to say that there are only two genders, to put it this way, least likely to say that they believe or strongly believe that uh, there is only man and woman, is people who identify as Jewish. Um, and the next, that's 44% believe in only two genders and those who say that they belong to some non-Christian other non-Christian religion, that's 55% in 2023. Uh, religiously unaffiliated people are 46%. At the other extreme, you have white evangelical Protestants, 92% as of 2023, say that there are only two genders. Uh, the really th- thing that stood out to me is when you look at Catholics, um, that there's been a significant increase in the number of Catholics who say they're just two genders. White Catholics went from 62% to 69%, and Hispanic Catholics went from 48% to 66%. Mm. And what I think that tells us is that as this issue gets more and more play, something which people maybe hadn't thought about, I mean, if you are not engaged in culture war issues and someone asked you two years ago, is there a spectrum of genders, your first reaction might be, huh?
6: And <laughs> yeah.
0: now a lot of Catholic, Hispanic Catholics are saying, yeah, uh, yes. there are just men and women. Thank you very much.
1: Wow. Brendan Hodge, thank you so much. Go to prri.org if you want to see more about this study. Brendan, thank you. Thank you. You bet. Always happy to have you. You can find all of our guests linked in our show notes at sonrisemorningshow.com. Half past the hour now on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's time for news. News. Three top pro-abortion groups are expected to endorse President Biden and his re-election bid during a rally later today, marking one year since the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade in the Dobbs v. Jackson women's health ruling on June 24th last year. Since that decision, more than 20 states have past abortion bans or other highly pro-life policies, and Biden has vowed to protect abortion and is expected to sign an executive order today designed to protect and expand access to contraception. He has already signed executive orders on traveling for abortion and to make the abortion pill more available The papal almoner, Cardinal Konrad Krajewski, is being sent on another charitable mission to Ukraine by Pope Francis. From Vatican Radio, Zeus Legaspi reports. A
11: statement released by the Holy See Press Office on Thursday said the Pope, for the sixth time since the Russian invasion in February 2022, is entrusting the head of the Dicastery for Charity Services with yet another evangelical mission. The journey includes a visit to the Kherson region, where, following the destruction of a dam, the innocent population is in great distress and many people have lost their lives, the statement said. Cardinal Konrad Krajewski's mission is to be with the people, to pray with them, and to bring the Pope's embrace and concrete support. The papal almoner will make his journey by van, bringing a load of needed medicines. He will visit various religious communities along the way, as well as parishes. The Holy See Press Office statement also revealed that a second truck full of food, received mostly from Korea, medicines and medical supplies, will be delivered to the areas most affected by the dam explosion, will also make the journey in the coming days. The statement concluded by noting that Cardinal Krajewski's mission is evangelical and highlights Pope Francis' closeness to tormented Ukraine. In an interview with Vatican Radio, Cardinal Krajewski explained, This time, the Holy Father wants me to go to Kherson." where the Russians have blown up the dam and the people are suffering inhumanly. The Cardinal underscored, noting they are deprived of water and so many basic necessities. This is another typically pastoral journey, to be among those who suffer, because that is what Christ did every day, the papal almoner said. All day long, from morning to night, the Lord was looking for people to help. By inserting the logic of the gospel, by being out there, by being among people, you are at the center of the gospel. I am Zeus Legaspi.
1: Pope Francis says breathing difficulties forced him to skip out on giving a planned speech yesterday. He told a meeting of the Catholic Oriental Church that his breathing is not good. The Holy Father noted he's feeling the effects of anesthesia following hernia surgery earlier this month. However, he did give a speech to artists in the Sistine Chapel today. A U.S. Navy official says the implosion of the Titan submersible was likely heard on Sunday more from Brian Shook.
12: The official said in a statement that an analysis of acoustic data found that an anomaly consistent with an implosion or explosion was found in an area where the sub was when communication stopped. A U.S. defense official also said in a separate statement that an analysis done of the banging noises picked up by sonar were not from the sub but natural ocean sounds or biological noises. I'm Brian Shook.
1: Existing home prices are seeing the biggest year-over-year drop in more than a decade. Mark Mayfield has the story.
4: The National Association of Realtors reported Thursday that the median price last month was just over $396,000. That's a drop of a little more than 3% compared to a year ago, the biggest decline seen since December of 2011. Sales of existing homes rose slightly from April to May. However, sales were down a little more than 20%. From a year ago, I'm Mark Neyfield.
1: Interstate 95 in Philadelphia is expected to reopen later today. Pennsylvania's Department of Transportation says six temporary lanes will be open to traffic starting at noon local time. The highway has been closed for nearly two weeks after a fiery tanker crash caused a collapse on the roadway. The closure has had an impact on both local traffic and nationwide shipping. That's the news. It's 35
8: the sunrise sunrise
2: morning morning Do you use a single brew coffee maker at your home or in your workplace? The Carmelite monks of Wyoming have single-use coffee pods, especially for you.
1: Go to the Mystic Monk Coffee site through our site, SunriseMorningShow.com, to browse the Monk Shot options. When you check out, we'll earn a commission.
2: And why not brew it straight into a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug? You can find those in our online store.
1: Buy a mug and link for some monk shots for your Keurig at
9: sonrisemorningshow.com. This past year has been a crazy roller coaster ride, but you have the power to get your business back on track by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Weekday mornings, your message will reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners across the U.S. and around the globe. Who want to know more about and support Catholic businesses and organizations. To get national exposure for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show, email me, Leah, at SacredHeartRadio.com. That's Leah at SacredHeartRadio.com.
13: This is Every Day with St. Francis de Sales. Venial sin, no matter how slight it may be, displeases God. Therefore, if it displeases God, any will and affection that one has for venial sin is nothing less than a disposition to offend the Divine Majesty. Is it possible that an upright soul should not only displease God, but even nourish within itself an affection and a will to displease Him? There is nothing more contrary to charity, or to the love of God, than to have little concern for one's neighbor. For Sacred Heart Radio, this is Father Chris Armstrong.
2: The Sunrise Morning Show continues, and Anna Mitchell was kinda wild this time last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, as we were celebrating the Feast of the Nativity of St. John the Baptist combined with the Feast of the Sacred Heart of Jesus that we got the news uh, that some of us thought was going to happen already based on some leaked information, which is a whole other story. Indeed. Uh, but it turns out that Roe v. Wade was indeed overturned. Therefore, uh, we don't have to worry about abortion anymore in the United States of America here a oh, year later.
1: Yeah. Don't Except we Except that
2: wasn't the case, right? <laughs> um, it's become a very different conversation Uh, We are dealing with a lot of the same things. We're still dealing with the culture of death, uh, obviously, and have been since the fall. But it is fascinating to me to look back um, and see just how the conversation has changed, uh, what things people are doing, what things, and there are a lot of them, that still need to be done uh, because this conversation is far from over.
1: Far from over and in fact um, just about a week ago I don't know if you've seen this Matt but uh, a bunch of pro-life leaders signed on to an opinion piece that ran at National Review online I'm not sure if it got into their actual magazine but at least online this um, call to take the 14th amendment which denies Well, it it expressly forbids states from denying to any person within their jurisdiction the equal protection of the laws and making the 14th Amendment um, cover the unborn uh, from conception. We know that life begins at conception, and so you have a human person right then and there. And there are a lot of implications that can come from this. I mean, you know, whether or not uh, this would hold in a uh, in a court of law with the Supreme Court, I don't know. I feel like they might be open to it, Um, whether states would adopt an amendment to the 14th Amendment to explicitly include. That kind of language that would um, that would extend these protections to the unborn, you know. But it it is a conversation worth having because yes, when Roe v. Wade was overturned, that sent the abortion issue back to the states um, under U.S. legal code. However, that does not mean that that's the way it should be. Um, th- we as Catholics, if we believe that life begins at conception and we do, then there should be federal protection federal protections. for the unborn, not state by state. You don't I mean think about this. I mean it's just one more way to we hear, you know, um comparisons between abortion laws and slavery laws. And this would be one more way that we could do that, where, you you know, in one state, if you're an unborn child, you're protected, whereas in another state, your life is not protected. And the value of your life is contingent on which state you happen to find yourself in.
2: Yeah. And this has actually been, uh, you know, I don't want to name names or anything or or talk about you know, various politicians at various levels who I don't think understand what it is that we really want as pro-lifers, <laughs> right, Right. right. Um, who are like, oh, we'll just throw it back to the States. It'll all get fixed. Or, no, we want everybody protected under the law, yeah. uh, right? Um, but also, you know, this this other question of, you know, were we ready, how ready were we to be able to help women who would otherwise choose abortion and support them? And I think that there are a lot of great things that are being done, but I think there's a whole lot more that can be done
8: mm-hmm.
2: uh, in the law to uh, to help families who are struggling. You know, the birth rates are just, like, declining insanely. And one of the top things that people complain about, you know, when they say why they're, you know, they're either choosing not to have children or choosing to contracept, which is a big part of this question, make absolutely no mistake about it. Some people mm-hmm. would treat contraception and abortion as though they're two different and unconnected issues. But uh, they are all kind of part of this question about, you know, how do we understand the family, uh, right? Uh, but there's there's just a lot to be done in this world of of figuring out, you know, what is causing people to not have hope, mm-hmm. uh, not want to bring a child into this world. And usually, you know, the first thing people say is, I don't think I can afford it. Well, I don't know how to fix inflation. <laughs> I don't know how to fix whatever, but I do know that, you know, the 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 church is supposed to be this place uh, where anybody in our community, anybody in the parish boundaries, should be able to come and say, "I need help," and the church should be able to say, "What kind of help?" Mm-hmm. Right? And not and, and instead for you know for the this whole my whole lifetime, the the church says, and this goes for evangelical Catholics and and, and else, we say, "Well, what kind of government support are you getting?" Oh. Right, and and I I think the more that we we let the charity out of our hands and turn it into the federal federally regulated social safety net stuff, the less we're going to be involved in the conversation of how and what kind of help people get. Mm-hmm. And I hope that this has been uh, as things go back to the state level, you know, a, a chance for us to recalibrate and think: Am am I personally through my generosity towards my parish equipping it to Make, you know, make it easier for a family to bring a child in the world. Make it more front of mind for them to think this is the kind of town, this is the kind of parish where I feel like I can bring my family.
1: That said, there are plenty of ideas out there in the legal world. It's been a great opportunity
2: to to work on new ideas.
1: Yeah, I mean, and and there are certainly – there's certainly legislation that has been proposed that will – make it, but that will incentivize having a child. I mean, we have all kinds of laws on the books that incentivize other things. I mean, think about all of the corporate breaks that, uh, that corporate America gets for this or that, um, you know, like all of the the tax breaks that they'll get to, uh, try to invite them into your state, for instance, you know, to incentivize them coming and, and creating jobs in your state. There are things, there are ideas out there that um that would do the same to help incentivize having a child when you're pregnant. You know, there was a, a New York Times news alert just uh yesterday. This is the headline. America's population is older than ever with a record high median age of 38.9. Now that doesn't sound like it's very old, but when that is the median age, it says in 1980, the median age was 30. And then underneath this headline, it says the new data adds to the evidence that like many European and Asian nations, the United States is graying, posing challenges to the workforce, the economy and social. Programs. I think there's an argument to be made um, from a population standpoint to incentivize this. Like if you're going to look for the government interest here, um, which I mean, I think that government interest lies in protecting human life regardless. But I think this is one data point that could be put out there and said, look at how old our population is getting, and we're not going to have enough people to support our aging population, and we need more people. We just need more people. <laughs> I mean, as, well, like, at I a basic level.
2: change. This, I hope this has given us a little bit of an opportunity to focus on the cultural changes that need to, have, that need to happen, because right now, we are still... In a mindset as a society, I feel like you know we're not as much so as we were because some things have come to light. But the mindset is get your kid in a good school and have them do well so they can go to a good college and get a good job and then be able to support their family down the road. Well, that means ultimately that people are spending their fertile years mired in college debt, unable to find a good job that will help them pay off that college debt so they postpone marriage and never have children.
1: Wow, you've taken this in a whole new direction.
2: Well, I'm just saying. We have created a whole world <laughs> that is hostile, mm-hmm. hostile to new life. Yeah. What are we going to do about that? Yeah. I'm asking that rhetorically because I don't know the I don't know the the way to fix it all.
1: Well, and also the music just started running. That's true. We gotta go. We gotta we gotta take a look at the Sunday Mass readings with Father Hezekiah's Carnazzo from the Institute of Catholic Culture. He's joining us next. It's 13 till.
2: I'm Matt Swain, grateful that Visiting Angels underwrites the Sunrise Morning Show. People ask how they can care for older family members who can't fully care for themselves. Visiting Angels assists adults nationwide to continue living at home rather than a nursing home. Experienced, compassionate caregivers provide assistance in hygiene meals and light housework. And services are provided up to 24 hours per day with caregiver selection before service begins. Visiting Angels, online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com.
9: For over 500 years, the church-honored spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola have formed many saints. This treasured way of personal prayer with God is now available to you for free. Order your free training manual at lordteachmetopray.com and bring Ignatian prayer to others. Lord Teach Me to Pray is approved by the USCCB. Order your free training manual at lordteachmetopray.com. Lord Teach Me to Pray underwrites the Sunrise Morning Show.
2: Tis the season for iced tea. If you're looking for some unique flavors to enjoy, the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have a number of options, including lemongrass mint, ginger orange, and blossoming jasmine.
1: Go check them out through our link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. And when you make a purchase, we earn a
2: commission. While you're at our site, pick up a mug or etched travel mug, which are available in our online store.
1: Get your mugs and link to Mystic Monk Coffee for tea at
11: sunrisemorningshow.com. Get an insider's look at the latest information from EWTN. Sign up for Wings, EWTN's weekly email newsletter. Get the latest information about live events, special features, and guests. Connect with EWTN on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. Just go to EWTN.com and click on the Wings link to sign up. Don't miss a minute of all that's happening at EWTN. Get your
14: Wings today. Hi, this is Janet Williams. You don't have to be a woman to enjoy Women of Grace. Today at 11 a.m. Eastern Time on EWTN Radio. Now, back to the Sunrise Morning Show.
1: Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Father Hezekiah Carnazzo from the Institute of Catholic Culture here to preview the readings for Mass on Sunday. Good morning, Father.
15: Good morning, Annie. Blessing to be with you and
2: your listeners this morning.
1: Yeah, it's a blessing to have you back. And man, do we have an intense weekend when it comes to the readings for Mass this weekend, starting with the uh, book of the prophet Jeremiah, chapter 20. Jeremiah says, I hear the whisperings of many. Terror, terror on every side. Denounce Let us denounce him. Father, what's going on with Jeremiah when he's saying all of this?
15: Well, you know, Annie, as I usually say, a text without a context is no text at all. And it's a prime example of that because the prophet Jeremiah finds himself in a rather precarious situation that you can't know unless you read just a little bit of the context. I'm going to encourage your your listeners, uh, all all, all you sunrise morning show lovers, get out your Bible Turn your Bibles back to chapter 18 and start reading a couple of chapters before because you'll realize what's going on. And it's simply this and Jeremiah, of course, is a prophet. And prophets aren't fortune tellers or future tellers or anything like that, they're truth tellers. Jeremiah is preaching to God's people, saying, Repent of your ways because uh, it, things have gotten pretty bad in Jerusalem and in the surrounding areas, false idols, false worship, uh, enslaving their brother, Uh, the people of God aren't living like the people of God, and therefore they're living like the evil one, and therefore they can no longer live in the house of God. Um, And Jeremiah is warning them, repent, and God will be merciful. But if you do not repent, then you'll go and live like you're living with the demons. And you're going to be cast out of Jerusalem, and Jerusalem is to be conquered. And, of course, the people don't want to hear what Jeremiah is saying, especially the leaders who are leading the people into demon worship. And so they uh, arrest Jeremiah, throw him into shackles, put him in prison. And Jeremiah is crying out in this particular text from uh, his uh, situation he finds himself in, crying out to the Lord. And at the end, of course, the center of this Old Testament reading we have is Jeremiah saying, look out, because the Lord's going to have the last word, you people, that have put me in prison.
1: Absolutely. (laughs) So he's saying this as he is in shackles, literally, and he says, O Lord of hosts, you who test the just, who probe mind and heart, let me witness the vengeance you take on them, for to you I have entrusted my cause. Sing to the Lord, praise the Lord, for he has rescued the life of, of the poor, from the power of the wicked. And God grants his request, doesn't he, Father?
15: He does. Jeremiah sees Jerusalem get conquered and then and be sacked and burned to the ground, and he's taken off in, in shackles with the rest of the people the Babylonians conquer. So, again, context is everything here.
1: Right, and this whole idea of rescuing the life of the poor, that's mm. to whom Jerusalem is left.
15: No, exactly. The, the people that had been enslaved— by their brother, and up uh, receiving the gift of freedom. I would encourage all of your listeners to go back and read Second Kings chapter 25 to get the context of all of this, and if you really want to go further, read Jeremiah chapter 34 through 40. Mm-hmm. And, and this is a critical moment, of course, in preparation for the coming of the Messiah. This is the fundamental problem that Jesus is going to come, at least on an initial surface level, Is going to come to solve. And this is the the people who are looking for the Messiah, the coming of the King, to restore God's people to what they lost at this moment.
1: Yeah, which moves us into the Gospel passage. Matthew chapter 10 verses 26 through 33 is what we'll be hearing this weekend. And sending out the Apostles is coming um, very much on the heels of, of what we heard last weekend. And Jesus says, fear no one. He says, do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in Gehenna. Can you reflect on this gospel passage in in light of the fact that we're still just a few weeks off from Pentecost?
15: Right. Again, context is everything on two levels here. The the context of this passage is, is that the apostles are now, have, have, been in training with the Lord, and they're now being sent out on mission, right? They're, they're going from discipleship to apostleship now, and it's that context then that Jesus says, look, he knows what they're going to do to him, and now he's warning the apostles, and then by extension all of us, you know, the devil's not going to simply receive you happily in this, in this secular world, right? In this place in which, in which you're going, it's not, the good news is not always going to land on good soil, and... and and, and, and be prepared for that. And that's, again, there's a secondary context here now, liturgically, for us, in the light of Pentecost, we are living in this time in which the Church is preparing us for our mission as, 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 as Christians, as being sent out into the world. And it's not always going to go well, right? You, we, we go about our lives all thinking, oh, I'm making plans for my life, I'm gonna, I have this job, I'm going to go on this vacation— I'm going to do this this summer. But the Lord's got a plan for
0: you. You know, you,
15: you may be going to Hawaii on vacation, but the Lord's sending you there not for vacation, but to be a Christian in the midst of the people that you're being sent to.
5: You
16: should
15: remember that. But it doesn't mean it's always going to go well. It's not always going to be well-received. I, I was just a few weeks ago in Jerusalem, and, and there the Zionists were, saw me with wearing a cross, and they were spitting on me and yelling at me. Get out of here. Get out of here. But that's okay. That's, that's part of it. That's part of I know is going to happen when I'm going to go out there and proclaim outwardly, proclaim what it is that I believe. It's not always going to be well received. And we should have courage and take courage from this gospel and from the story of Jeremiah. Indeed, the Lord will have the last word. He will be victorious. He is risen from the dead regardless of the particular situation I find myself in today.
1: Yeah. May not be well-received here on earth, but certainly well-received by our Father in heaven. Some of my favorite lines in Scripture where Jesus says, Are not two sparrows sold for a small coin? Yet not one of them falls to the ground without your Father's knowledge. Even all the hairs of your head are counted. So do not be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. We've been talking to Father Hezekiah's Carnazzo. And Father, if listeners want to uh, check out the resources you have over at the Institute of Catholic Culture, where do they find you?
15: Instituteofcatholicculture.org. Come check us out, instituteofcatholicculture.org.
1: And you can find instituteofcatholicculture.org linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Registration open for Catholic Political Thought 102, Modernity and the Common Good with Dr. Chad Pecknold. And they're having a book club with Joseph Pierce reading Brideshead Revisited. So go check it out. Institute of Catholic We got another hour of the Sunrise Morning Show coming up for most of our affiliates here on EWTN Radio.
0: Radio.com. Arise, it's a new
1: day. Here is word.
2: continue on this Friday. It is the 23rd of June. Let's pray together in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Actually, let's pray a prayer uh, for the dead. And then uh, remember, perhaps by name, those who are the beloved dead in your own circle. God, our Father, your power brings us to birth. Your providence guides our lives. And by your command, we return to dust. Lord, those who die still live in your presence. Their lives change, but do not end. I pray and hope for my family, relatives, and friends, and for all the dead known to you alone. In company with Christ who died and now lives, may they rejoice in your kingdom where all our tears are wiped away. Unite us together again in one family to sing your praise forever and ever. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. I like to pray that at the top of the hour sometimes before Anna Mitchell heads into news because almost invariably uh, she's going to talk about somebody who has passed away. Uh, Usually several somebodies. So let's not forget those are not just news stories and headlines. Those are people, uh, sons and daughters of God, uh, to whom, well, we just trust them to God's mercy. So I want to try and add that little prayer idea before we head into the news. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. Thank you for being along on a Friday. I'm Matt Swam and Anna, Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. Dina Dwyer Owens uh, will join us for some reflections on her experience of the Camino de Santiago. It's always cool. I like to talk to anybody who's been on that trip because it's one of my bucket list uh, pilgrimage ideas. Brad Bursa is going to talk about forgiveness and family peace. We'll talk to Bobby Schindler from the Terry Schiavo Life and Hope Network about the latest from Canada. Uh, in regard to assisted suicide. And then Father Jonathan Duncan will give his take uh, and reflections on the Sunday Mass readings. So stay with us if you can. Right now it is two minutes past. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. It's a service of Central Fabricators and centralfabricators.com.
1: Good morning, three top Pro-abortion groups are expected to endorse President Biden today during a rally that will mark one year tomorrow since the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade in Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health. Biden has vowed to protect abortion and is expected to sign an executive order today designed to protect and expand access to contraception. He has already signed executive orders on traveling for abortion and to get the abortion pill more readily. A newly released report from Catholic Charity Aid to the Church in Need says religious freedom violations take place in one out of every three countries From Vatican Radio, Linda Bordoni reports.
3: The authors of the Aid to the Church in Need report contextualize their findings within a tense global climate in which terrorist attacks, anti-conversion laws, financial crises, electoral manipulations, and conflicts are on the rise, pointing out that over 4.9 billion people and that's the populations of one in three countries, are subject to increasing violations of religious freedom. ACN's biannual report names 61 out of 196 nations where citizens are affected by a crackdown on their faith. At the top of the list are the countries classified in a red category that denotes religious persecution. According to the report, there are 28 of them, 13 of which are in Africa, where the situation in many regions has drastically worsened. Then there is an orange category and an under-observation category that include countries where religious intolerance, discrimination and episodes of persecution are increasing. In most reported cases, the research shows... Governments are applying controversial bills that limit religious freedom or discriminate faith communities without protests being voiced. It also notes that violent attacks against the wrong religion are increasingly seen as normal and in particular in Latin America are not investigated by authorities. In Nigeria and Nicaragua, more and more religious majorities are being persecuted and a culture of impunity is on the rise. Some of the other nations under the ACN spotlight are India, Pakistan, Mozambique, DRC, Mali, Iran and Burkina Faso. The report notes that persecution against Muslims is also globally on the rise, as is anti-Semitism in Europe. I'm Linda Bordoni.
1: The papal almoner is being sent on another charitable mission to Ukraine. The Holy See Press Office reports Cardinal Konrad Krajewski will be Taking a van to Ukraine, carrying much-needed medicines, a second truck will follow him, bringing more food and medical supplies. The Coast Guard is confirming the submersible used to view the Titanic wreckage was found demolished on the ocean floor, and its five passengers have died. Rear Admiral John Mauger said a robotic sub found parts of the missing Titan 1,600 feet from the bow of the Titanic bow of the Titanic. Mauger said there was some catastrophic failure and the vessel imploded. He gave his condolences to the families. Parts of Colorado are feeling the effects of a storm that included reports of a tornado and baseball-sized hail. The National Weather Service labeled Yesterday's weather in the Denver metro area as a particularly dangerous situation that resulted in some storm-related damage downed trees and thousands of customers without power. Air travel was also impacted as more than 140 flights at Denver International were canceled. Interstate 95 in Philadelphia is set to reopen later today. Mark Mayfield has more.
4: Pennsylvania's Department of Transportation says six temporary lanes will be open to traffic starting Friday at noon local time. The highway has been closed for nearly two weeks after a fiery tanker crash caused a collapse of the roadway. The closure has had an impact on both local traffic and nationwide shipping. Governor Josh Shapiro has praised construction crews who have worked around the clock to fix the highway. I'm Mark Mayfield.
1: And more than 7 million baby shark bath toys are being recalled. Yesterday, the Consumer Product Safety Commission announced the Pink Frog brand baby shark sing and swim bath toys have hard plastic top fins that pose a risk of, quote, impalement, lacerations, and punctures, end quote. The manufacturing company has received 12 reports of kids being injured by falling or sitting on the full size bath toys. There are around seven and a half million units currently on the market.
2: Well, I got to say, I don't know about the toys, but I certainly experience impalements, lacerations, and punctures in my soul whenever I hear the song. <laughs> How many are they recalling? How many are they recalling?
1: It says there are seven and a half million.
2: I should be recalling like ten times that much Baby Shark stuff. I,
1: I just, like, I think of my own kids in the bathtub, you know, like, yep, yep, sitting on a Baby Shark toy. You know, Luckily, they say, we don't have one.
2: They say Baby Shark, do, 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 do. I say Baby Shark, don't, don't.
1: Don't, don't, don't.
2: Don't, don't, Baby don't, Shark. Don't,
1: don't, don't.
2: Do not. Although don't. it was fun. For a couple minutes when the Nationals were headed to the World Series and they had the Baby Shark as Gerardo Parra's walk-up song. That was crazy. There's a great clip of Gerardo Parra walking up to the Baby Shark song and Freddie Freeman on first base watching the entire crowd do Baby Shark and being like, what is happening?
1: (laughs) (laughs) That will never, ever, ever match, though. Ryan Friel's walk-up song, may he rest in peace.
2: Oh, yeah. The diner song. I can't remember even who did it. Fallout Boy sampled it and it wasn't near as good.
1: But it was so good in the walk up music. Just FYI, if there are any MLB players listening right now, highly recommend that as your walk up music.
2: Hey, Chris Heisey, if you're listening, I know you walked up to the Ambassador Gimme That Christian Rap. I see you, Chris Heisey.
1: Today is Friday, June the 23rd. Thanks for joining us here on the Sunrise Morning Show on EWTN. It's nine past. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Dina Dwyer Owens, former chairwoman and CEO of Neighborly. She's an author and a speaker. You can download her Create Your Culture or Your Better Future workbooks at dinadwyerowens.com. Good morning, Dina.
14: Good morning, Annie.
1: It is so good to have you back, and I know you just got back from a pretty epic
14: pilgrimage. Tell us about it. Unbelievable. I joined the Dynamic Catholic Pilgrimage Group for a Camino de Santiago, which, you know, there's a 500-mile walk you can do from the French Pyrenees all the way to uh, Santiago de Compostelo in Spain, where uh, St. James Cathedral is. We took the last seventy-five miles of that, oh, wow. but it was ab- oh absolutely incredible. So we probably averaged fifteen-mile days um, over the trip, and um, so many graces.
1: So, what was it like? I'm curious. How prayerful was it hiking the Camino?
14: Ah, oh, you know, I'm still processing. It was it was just unbelievable. It was so beautiful, and you know, you have time to walk with people in your group. You know, in my case, my husband was with me. And we walk at a different pace. He can hike; he can run past me hiking up a mountain, but uh, I walk a little faster. So, you know, you have to kind of uh, decide what pace you're going to go. And, and it's your own hike, your own pilgrimage, so you also can spend time with who you want to and spend as much time with just God and, you know, you alone as you want to. But it was so peaceful. You know, whether I was talking to one of the three priests that was on the, the journey with us, two of them, of course, were there to, to be spiritual directors and guide us in mass, Uh, But talking about having resources (laughs) right with you, so if you had a spiritual question come up, it's like, I'm going to go find Father Carlos or whoever, you know, the priest is that might be walking ahead of you on the journey. But I expected it to be beautiful, like beautiful for my soul um, and beautiful scenery-wise, but it was so much better than I ever expected, Annie. It's just hard to even describe.
1: What did you learn about walking with God, Dina?
14: Oh, he wants me to slow down. Mm-hmm. Lots, <laughs> lots, lots of, lots of messages of slowing down, and also I, you know, I, I usually enter things with my own agenda. Like, you know, let's get to 100 miles. Um, mm-hmm. And God has His own agenda for us, you know. So there are hiccups along the way as we are pilgrims on this journey. We got a card every morning um, from the leader of the Dynamic Catholic, and the front of the card said "pilgrim" or "tourist," mm-hmm. and it's a metaphor, really, for how are we journey, journeying through our lives? You know, are we just tourists and there's all these things we want to get done that are on our checklist and things we want to own and buy and blah, 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 and succeed in? Um, or are we really pilgrims searching for God, you know, and really spending our time on the priorities in life uh, as we are just year, here temporarily? And so it was really beautiful to uh, recognize that I, I, I was waiting for something to happen, you know, like, oh, when's that sign going to show up? And uh, again, that was my agenda, but he had a different agenda. It wasn't about me at all. <laughs> I think it had to do with, and we get emotional. Who, who am I here to serve?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, isn't it incredible when, when we can take the time and, and just walk with the Lord? I mean, you were doing it in, in a very literal way um, where it forces you to to sit back and you you have to do, what you have to go where God is taking you, right, Dina? <laughs> That's right, because you're
14: not going to get to the hotel that night unless you keep going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but honestly, it's um, I I couldn't get enough. Yeah, I couldn't get enough of that quiet time with God, and so many of the pilgrims, you know, some of them with us, and others who you know maybe weren't on a religious or they didn't know they were on a religious pilgrimage, <laughs> they didn't realize that that was their journey. But Mm -hmm. so many of them just said, I have a hard time being Mm -hmm. quiet and and just listening. But when you're on a trail for 15 miles, you know, there's going to be some point in time where you're just going to have to be quiet. There's Mm -hmm. nobody around you except for the birds that are singing. Um, And it's, you know, just a beautiful time. Uh, I'd encourage everybody to put that on their list of things to do.
1: Yeah. Well, because it's... I mean, it's not like you were walking without a purpose, right? You weren't wandering. You knew where you were headed. And I don't know if you were using like GPS on your phone. I know the Camino has the little markers that you have to kind of follow along and that's how, you know, they it. Yeah, done you look for the for... shells. Exactly. <sighs> exactly. Um so what did you learn about trust in God as you were as you were walking with this purpose?
14: Yeah. Uh yeah, there's Four words that come to mind, and I've heard these before, but I, I haven't really prayed them. And so the f- four words would be trust, surrender, believe, and receive. And you know, just just repeating those words sometimes quietly on the trail opened up my heart. You know, just amazing. You know, we were heading towards um, St. James Cathedral in uh, Santiago de Compostela, and that's where the you know the, the remains of St. James are buried. And it's just, it was this incredible experience as pilgrims are all arriving to the square, by St James Cathedral. It's just overwhelming. You know, you just you're crying for other people because they, you know, some of them really are hurting. I mean, their legs are hurting. They've got blisters. Um, they're 88 years old. We had Dorothy Jean on our pilgrimage, oh, wow. who was 88. Now she didn't do the whole 75 miles, but you know what? She did the best she could do, and. You know, I, I still picture in my mind Dorothy Jean at, at each mass because we had mass daily in some in some cases, 12th sorry, 10th century cathedral not cathedrals, little churches, um, mm. which alone was an incredible experience. But every church only had wooden kneelers, and Dorothy Jean and others traveling with us that were over 70 years old got on their knees on those kneelers throughout mass without a wince or a complaint. And I'm looking at them, just thinking, Wow, what an inspiration! You know who am I to complain about my 60-year-old knees hurting on these kneelers? When these these women—they're tough. You know they're tough for God. They love God so much. It's like I can bear with this. You know this is nothing compared to what you did for me, Jesus. Yeah. But we ended up at the St. James Cathedral, and probably one of the the moments that you know I kind of fell apart is just being in that church on a Friday for Mass and seeing you know probably close to a couple of thousand people at most that could fit in that in that cathedral celebrating Mass, people from all over the world, all different languages, some of them not Catholic, of course, but all speaking the same language and that we were all there to pray. It was overwhelming.
1: You know, I bet a lot of people have it on their bucket list, and after hearing you, are uh, even more determined to make it happen, I being one of them, I have to say.
14: Well, I, I pray that you all will do that because it is a gift
1: well, thank you so much for sharing your experience with us. We've got DinaDwyreOwens.com linked at SunriseMorningShow.com. Dina, thank you.
14: Thank you. Keep up the god
1: work. You do the same, Dina. Thank you very much. All right, it's 17 past now on the Sunrise Morning Show. We're back with headlines right after this.
2: I'm Matt Swain, grateful that Visiting Angels underwrites the Sunrise Morning Show. People ask how they can care for older family members who can't fully care for themselves. Visiting Angels assists adults nationwide to continue living at home rather than a nursing home. Experienced, compassionate caregivers provide assistance in hygiene meals and light housework, and services are provided up to 24 hours per day with caregiver selection before service begins. Visiting Angels. Online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com
4: support from Angel Studios. This
7: July 4th from Angel Studios, who brought you His Only Son and the Chosen, comes a true story of courage and redemption. Sound of Freedom, starring Jim Caviezel, who portrayed Jesus in The Passion, and Academy Award winner Mira Sorvino. Inspired by remarkable acts of bravery, Sound of Freedom unveils the true events of a dangerous mission to save young, innocent lives. A story that shares hope and the power of human resilience. Sound of Freedom, made in PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children number 13. In theaters, July 4th. Do you use a single-brew coffee
2: maker at your home or in your workplace? The Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have single-use coffee pods especially for you.
1: Go to the Mystic Monk Coffee site through our site, sunrisemorningshow.com, to browse the monk shot options. When you check out, we'll earn a commission.
2: And why not brew it straight into a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug? You can find those in our online store.
1: Buy a mug and link for some monk shots for your Keurig at sonrisemorningshow.com. Hey Alexa, how many ways
9: can I get EWTN? You can get EWTN on television, via cable and satellite, on Apple TV, Roku, Amazon Fire, and Google Play. You can get EWTN radio in your car, on Sirius XM channel 130, and on the go, on any mobile device with the EWTN app. And here's the best news, now you can get EWTN's great programming on me,
2: 19 minutes past the hour, here's Anna with headlines.
1: Three top pro abortion groups expected to endorse President Biden at a rally later today to mark one year since the Dobbs decision. A newly released report from Catholic Charity Aid to the Church in Need says religious freedom violations take place in one out of every three countries. And the papal almoner is being sent on another charitable mission to Ukraine. Hey, Matt. Yes. I was just looking at the liturgical calendar next week. Okay. Monday, Jose Maria Escriva. Boom. Tuesday, Cyril of Alexandria. Boom. Wednesday, Irenaeus of Lyon. Yes. Thursday, Peter and Paul.
2: Friday. Ignatius of Loyola, right? No, I'm sorry. No, no, no. I'm, a, I'm a month ahead of myself. You're
1: a month ahead of yourself. Uh, Friday, actually, first martyrs of Rome um, who were uh, martyred, blamed by Nero with setting fire to Rome. Oh, yes. Not as well known. We don't like have their names, per se, but they were the ones that were martyred when Nero you know, burned Rome but blamed the Christians.
2: Right. Of course. Uh, and of course, that led to Peter and Paul as well. Mm-hmm. And then tomorrow is Saint John the Baptist's birthday. Yep. Don't forget to get a gift, make a card. Uh, but once you get into July, you got some great stuff because it's the Precious Blood month. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think is it Unipero Sarah, Saint Unipero Sarah. July first. It's I on July first. Then you get Thomas the Apostle. That's right after July that. Third. Maria Gretti on the sixth. Mm-hmm. I mean, you get it's a month full of saints. A month full of convert saints. Ignatius of Loyola, a convert saint. Mary Magdalene. is in July. Convert saint. There's a lot of good ones. Lots of. Good All you ones. holy men and women, pray for us. And for iced tea, if you're looking for some unique flavors to enjoy, the Carmelite monks of Wyoming have a number of options, including lemongrass mint, ginger orange, and blossoming jasmine
1: go check them out through our link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com and when you make a purchase we earn a commission
2: while you're at our site pick up a mug or etched travel mug which are available in our online store
1: get your mugs and link to Mystic Monk
9: Coffee for tea at sunrisemorningshow.com this past year has been a crazy roller coaster ride but you have the power to get your business back on track by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Weekday mornings, your message will reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners across the U.S. and around the globe who want to know more about and support Catholic businesses and organizations. To get national exposure for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah, at sacredheartradio.com.
17: I am Dominican Father Paul Keller, Please pray with me the prayer to Saint Anthony. Blessed be God in his angels and in his saints. O holy Saint Anthony, gentlest of saints, your love for God and charity for his creatures made you worthy, when on earth, to possess miraculous powers. Miracles waited on your word, which you were ever ready to speak for those in trouble or anxiety. Encouraged by this thought, I implore of you to obtain for me This request. The answer to my prayer may require a miracle. Even so, you are the saint of miracles. O gentle and loving Saint Anthony, whose heart was ever full of human sympathy, whisper my petition into the ears of the sweet infant Jesus, who loved to be folded in your arms, and the gratitude of my heart will ever be yours. Amen.
1: Revisited online at NazarethRevisited.com. Brad, good morning.
18: Good morning, Anna. Thanks for having me on the show again.
1: You bet. It's good to have you back. What is the importance of forgiveness when it comes to fostering family peace?
18: Well, I've heard, not that this happens in my own home, but things can (laughs) sometimes get out of control with kids. Um, And you have these kind of like you know, you have conflict in the home that happens whenever there are people trying to live together. And you have these half-hearted apologies, you know, like the parent says, hey, you need to apologize to your sister. You know, the brother's like, okay, sorry. And doesn't really mean it. The sister who just got hurt or whatever will say something kind of ridiculous, like it's okay. As if it's really okay that this hurt just happened. We don't really think about this, but we say these sorts of things all the time. And this just, uh, I mean, it breeds resentment. It breeds revenge. And uh, we need to do something about that in order to have peace in our homes.
1: So with that in mind then, Brad, tell us about what you learned from, from Net Ministries that kind of changed the way you encourage or do forgiveness in the Bursa home.
18: Yeah, so I was never part of Net Ministries, um, but I did get a missionary initiative for youth ministry started in the Archdiocese of Cincinnati a number of years ago. You know, inevitably, we would have some difficulties amongst the, the missionaries as they were living in community, and I didn't really have any tools in the toolbox to help with fostering reconciliation. And it just so happened that one of the people we hired to help organize this initiative had net ministry experience, and they have a whole method at NET because um, you have these teams of young people on the road for a whole year, um, and they need to know how to reconcile with one another. And so the method is very simple; um, it's it's kind of formulaic, so you can teach it to children. But the guilty person has to admit that what they did was wrong. So um, in the blog post uh, that I have on the website, the the example slapped you with a piece of lunch meat and it was wrong.
1: Is this, hold on, I got to stop you. Did this
18: happen? I I, I can neither confirm nor deny that this is a (laughs) true dialogue, uh, a true example from my home.
1: Okay, okay, sorry. Now start over again.
18: Yeah, I slapped you with a piece of lunch meat and it was wrong. So you have to name what you did and acknowledge the fact that it was wrong and then ask for forgiveness and it leaves it up to the injured party to... Grant that forgiveness so it, it leaves that freedom in place because free uh forgiveness can only be granted freely um, and so it's great because it 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 invites the person the guilty party so to speak to acknowledge and really name what it what they did and admit the wrong and then ask make that ask for forgiveness can we can we be reconciled here
1: what difference has this made have you noticed a difference in children being able to, first of all, recognize that what they're doing is wrong, but then also um, the, the injured party to recognize that, that forgiveness can be powerful?
18: I think so. Um, absolutely. This takes time. I think any parent who's, who wants to work on forgiveness in the home has to realize that there's a lot of thing involved, especially on the front end. But it actually is a cultural game changer. So in our home, this has become the acceptable way to reconcile, um, the acceptable way to ask for forgiveness from the parents, from my wife and I, all the way down to our littlest kids. So we just stop the dialogue if, if kids are kind of reverting back to the old, poor way of asking for forgiveness. And we say this is not how we ask for forgiveness in our home and they kind of immediately jump into what we've taught them uh and i think uh it's been really beautiful especially to see the injured party um to use that expression really like receive that request for forgiveness and then know that they have the freedom then to actually forgive this other person to to see this other person to see their sibling for example As their sibling again as a human person again instead of just the person who slapped me with lunch meat
1: and so has it brought about some peace do you see peace happening between them or I mean I guess you kind of wonder whether the asking for forgiveness is still um, you know really heartfelt
18: it's it's true I mean you you have to wonder is it always still heartfelt Um, but I think like anything in parenting you have to take the long view, right? Like there are sometimes short-term gains and then there's like regression. But I would say over the three years or so that we've been employing this in our home, things are generally more peaceful. And what I will definitely say is conflicts are resolved more quickly. And that over the long run means something.
1: Well, that's good. And and I mean, the other thing here that I think is interesting is that it sends the message that this is not okay you know you you started off by saying well you know they say sorry and then it's it's okay and it's not really okay
18: exactly and I think that's that in our in our entitled culture that's really important that that we acknowledge that certain things actually aren't okay and you can't just kind of skate through and and get away with things Um, but this stuff comes back and you have to acknowledge the truth of what you've done it's really really important again there's peace in the home right this helps this helps cultivate peace within your home but it's actually a deeper education for your children that will have generational effects uh, in a positive way
1: yeah Teaches them about justice, I think. We've been talking to Dr. Brad Bursa. And Brad, if listeners want to uh, read your blog post on this um, idea of fostering family peace through true forgiveness, where do they find it?
18: Well, the fastest way to get there is NazarethRevisited.com forward slash blog. And just scroll down on the page and you'll find it. Forgiveness in the home.
1: Well, thank you so much, Dr. Brad Bursa. Half past the hour now on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's time for news. Three top pro-abortion groups are expected to join President Biden and endorse him during a rally later today, marking one year since the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade. Since the decision, more than 20 states have passed pro-life laws, but Biden has vowed to protect abortion and is expected to sign an executive order today designed to expand access to contraception as well. He has already signed executive orders on traveling for abortion and to make the abortion pill more readily available. The papal almoner, Cardinal Konrad Krajewski, is being sent on another charitable mission to Ukraine. From Vatican Radio, Zeus Legaspi reports. A
11: statement released by the Holy See Press Office on Thursday said the Pope. For the sixth time since the Russian invasion in February 2022, is entrusting the head of the dicastery for charity services with yet another evangelical mission. The journey includes a visit to the Kherson region, where, following the destruction of a dam, the innocent population is in great distress and many people have lost their lives. The statement said Cardinal Konrad Krajewski's mission is to be with the people, to pray with them, and to bring the Pope's embrace and concrete support. The papal almoner will make his journey by van bringing a load of needed medicines. He will visit various religious communities along the way, as well as parishes. The Holy See Press Office statement also revealed that a second truck full of food, received mostly from Korea, medicines and medical supplies, will be delivered to the areas most affected by the dam explosion, will also make the journey in the coming days. The statement concluded by noting that Cardinal Krajewski's mission is evangelical and highlights Pope Francis's closeness to tormented Ukraine. In an interview with Vatican Radio, Cardinal Krajewski explained, This time, the Holy Father wants me to go to Kherson, where the Russians have blown up the dam and the people are suffering inhumanly. The Cardinal underscored, noting they are deprived of water and so many basic necessities. This is another typically pastoral journey to be among those who suffer because that is what Christ did every day, the papal almoner said. All day long, from morning to night, the Lord was looking for people to help. By inserting the logic of the gospel, by being out there, by being among people, you are at the center of the gospel. I am Zeus Legaspi.
1: Ukrainian intelligence, meanwhile, is reportedly uncovering information that Russia is prepared to launch what's described as a terrorist attack with radiation leakage at the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant in southeastern Ukraine. Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky said in a video warning yesterday that Russian forces have prepared everything, he said, for an attack on Europe's biggest nuclear power plant. Pope Francis says breathing difficulties forced him to skip out on giving a planned speech yesterday. He told a meeting of members of the Catholic Oriental Church that his breathing was not good, noting that he's feeling the effects of anesthesia following his hernia surgery earlier this month. He did address artists today in the Sistine Chapel to mark the 50th anniversary of the inauguration of the Vatican Museum's collection of modern art. He said to them, The creativity of the artist can thus be said to share in God's own passion for creation. You are sharers in God's dream, end quote. A U.S. Navy official says the implosion of the Titan submersible was likely heard on Sunday. More from Brian Shook.
12: The official said in a statement that an analysis of acoustic data found that an anomaly consistent with an implosion or explosion was found in an area where the sub was when communication stopped. A U.S. defense official also said in a separate statement that an analysis done of the banging noises picked up by sonar were not from the sub, but natural ocean sounds or biological noises. I'm Brian Shook.
1: Interstate 95 in Philadelphia is set to reopen later today. Pennsylvania's Department of Transportation says six temporary lanes will be open to traffic starting at noon local time. The highway has been closed for nearly two weeks after a fiery tanker, track, tanker crash caused a collapse on the roadway. That's the news on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 35 past.
13: The
9: This past year has been a crazy roller coaster ride, but you have the power to get your business back on track by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Weekday mornings, your message will reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners across the U.S. and around the globe who want to know more about and support Catholic businesses and organizations. To get national exposure for your business, ministry, or
2: nonprofit
9: on the Sunrise Morning Show, email me, Leah at SacredHeartRadio.com. That's Leah at SacredHeartRadio.com.
2: Do you use a single-brew coffee maker at your home or in your workplace? The Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have single-use coffee pods especially for you.
1: Go to the Mystic Monk Coffee site through our site, sunrisemorningshow.com, to browse the Monk Shot options. When you check out, we'll earn a commission.
2: And why not brew it straight into a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug? You can find those in our online store.
1: Buy a mug and link for some monk shots for your Keurig at sonrisemorningshow.com. The Baltimore Catechism asks,
8: how is the church Catholic or universal? The church is Catholic or universal because it subsists in all ages, teaches all nations, and maintains all truth. From the very beginning, when the Holy Spirit descended upon the apostles in Jerusalem at Pentecost, we have seen that the church has embraced all peoples, all nations, all tribes and tongues. It subsists in all times. We can say that even because it is the mystical body of Christ, the church has existed even from the very first man and woman. Finally, the church teaches all truth. There is no truth, as St. Augustine said, that does not properly belong to the church. Let us thank the Lord, then, for giving us a church so universal, so widespread, that its arms embrace all things, because, ultimately, they are God's arms reaching out to each of us. Reflecting on the Baltimore Catechism, I'm Dominican Father Ezra Sullivan.
2: Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Bobby Schindler from the Terry Schiavo Life and Hope Network online at lifeandhope.com. Bobby, good morning. Good morning, Matt. We talk about Canada a lot in this segment, and some of the ways that they are really on the forefront of the push uh, for assisted suicide, and uh, really trying to make it uh, not just as accessible as possible, but trying to encourage people that this is uh, this is their best path. And we've got some pretty upsetting statistics out of Canada to look at today, so I wonder if you could share some of those with us.
16: Right, and I think and it needs to be emphasized, as Wesley has been emphasizing for a very long time, uh, every year, incidentally, Matt, uh, Wes, I think for the last almost 20 years, Wesley makes predictions in, in the world of bioethics. And he has been, sadly, and these are predictions affecting human life, and and how we treat and care for people, and assisted suicides included in that as well. And unfortunately, Wesley has been pretty close to inaccurate in all his predictions. And and that's the reasons why he writes a lot about Canada, because he says we need to keep a close eye on what's happening there, because if it's happening there, it can certainly happen here in in the USA. I mean, some people might why do we talk about Canada like this? Well, it's it, 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 they're humans. Uh, it's human nature, and, and if they expand and create assisted suicide laws there and we, and we do it here, we're, we're going to follow the same path. And why should we be alarmed? Well, it's, it's coming out now that the numbers, and, 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 and of course all of Canada, is, it's, assisted suicide is legal in, in Canada in all 13 provinces. And in 2022, there was a 35 in, 35% increase from 2021. It, it was legalized in 2016, Matt, and since 2020, uh, assisted suicide in Canada has almost doubled. And in Quebec, in particular, seven percent, seven percent of all deaths, Matt, in, in Quebec are contributed or connected to assisted suicide. If you take that number and you bring it down here to the United States, that would account for roughly—I mean, you're, you're upwards, you're getting close to 300,000 Americans. Commit assisted suicide each year if you take that number from Quebec and bring it here in the United States. So these numbers are alarming. They're now considering it, it's, um, it's expanded now to where people with all types of illness can kill themselves. In 2019, a man killed himself because on his application it was for hearing loss. Uh, they have done a poll, and a quarter of the Canadians now express support or killing yourself if you live in poverty, or if you're suffering from homelessness. So it's getting, I mean, the rails are coming off in Canada when it's just a suicide, and it's really frightening to see what's happening there. And the law is already here, even in the states here, Matt, where assisted suicide is legal, I believe in 10 states now, those states in particular, they're now starting to expand the acceptance of assisted suicide to include different types of populations. So it's, it's happening here, and it's on a sweller train, so to speak, but the same things are happening here in the United States, uh, maybe not as quickly as Canada, but that's why we have to fight and push back on, on legislation here in the United States.
2: We really do, and I, I think some of our listeners have seen uh, some of the videos and interviews with people who just can't seem to kick poverty and, uh, you know, are having all kinds of troubles just holding down jobs and, and, you know, finding a way to get ahead in this world and that assisted suicide seems pretty, like, uh, I don't know, pretty appealing to them. And I'm thinking to myself, what are you doing? <laughs> like, what is Canada doing? I mean, and and the fact that the laws are encouraging people of the, you know, quote-unquote, less desirable variety to just go ahead and take care of this, you know, on their end, and uh, it'll be better for them, and it'll be better for everybody else. I mean, what a horrible message to send! And, and you know, when it comes to this, uh, Bobby, I, it's so important that we 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 keep this all at the forefront because there are people I that I hear of who are otherwise, you know, conservative on all kinds of other issues. You know, talk about how well, you know, it'd be great if we just got rid of all of this kind of person or rid of all of that kind of person. Well. Canada's doing it, and trust me, you don't want to get rid of certain kind of people because (laughs) Canada uh, is rapidly, I mean, shockingly rapidly rounding the corner on figuring out how they can get rid of as many people as possible for almost any reason at this point.
16: Yeah, Matt, it's frightening. I mean, doctors are here to heal, to prescribe medicine, not to prescribe death, and... We're seeing more and more. I really feel like here in the United States in particular when it comes to this issue, I mean, we, we've already seen, I mean, this is a separate issue from other ways that are that are being, other ways that patients are being killed in our healthcare systems today, uh, removal of food and hydration that we talk about and, and other reasons and other policies that permit the killing of patients. And, and this is separate from that. This is... Uh, uh, situations, yeah, where, where people are homeless, people are suffering from mental health issues. And if we're just going to abandon, and that's what, what it's really about, Matt. It's about abandonment. If we're just going to abandon these people, I mean, I, I really feel like we're just, it's fingers in the dike, Matt. I mean, we're just holding, holding this, this damn back that, that I, I, I hope I'm wrong, That is eventually we're going to see more and more states. I mean, fortunately, we're, so, so it's good news, bad news, Matt, right? Uh, bad news is, uh, Nevada, the legislature, recently legalized assisted suicide. Fortunately, the governor there saw the dangers of assisted suicide and vetoed the bill. But nonetheless, if that governor wasn't, not, was not against assisted suicide, it would now be legal in Nevada. So uh, it's, it's scary if you're watching what's happening. More and more states are introducing assisted suicide every year. And if we don't keep pushing back, if these groups don't keep pushing back, it's just going to be a matter of time before more and more states adopt these laws and allow killing people and then they'll start expanding from there as we're seeing happening in canada
2: yeah, it's i mean it's a perfect storm of of mental health uh a crisis in our society uh quote unquote our society right it's a there's a mental health crisis and it's growing and it's growing especially among young people who are already you know it's it was already rough to be a teenager you and i both remember like you know Everybody feels kind of messed up and weird as a teenager, and now that's just kind of exaggerated. Uh, You know, I saw a poll. um, I think Brad Wilcox uh, put it out from over um, at uh, at a group that's – the National Marriage Project uh, at the University of Virginia, how something like uh, 49.5% of 8th, 10th, and 12th graders don't feel like they can do anything right. Uh, 48.9% feel like their life is not useful 44.2% Forty-four point two percent of these eighth, tenth, and twelfth graders say they do not enjoy life. I mean, that is a prime customer base for this industry, and don't make any mistakes about it. That's where this stuff is going.
16: Wow, you that's alarming, Matt. When you hear those numbers, and, and then you, you, you add to the fact that you got over fifty years, well, until last year with you, but but you still have the abortion issue, getting into the psyche. Of of, these, of of all Americans, this normalization of killing the, un- the acceptance, desensitization the of the value of human life. And that spills over uh, in, into what we're seeing with euthanasia. It's a suicide, and it's going to affect us. And you start devaluing life as with what we're seeing, you're going to start to see the expansion of death in all sectors, and, 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 and in health uh, when When you see these numbers, it reminds me of the time that Dr. Kaworkian was invited to speak, and I think I brought this up not that long ago. I was invited to speak at the University of Florida, speaking to that this age group, Matt, where you're talking about where it's one of the highest uh, incidents uh, of suicide, and you have a uh, you have a a supporter or sister suicide coming in and speaking to these kids. I mean, it doesn't make sense. It's, it's you're just you're 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 doing something that can only increase harm and increase and, and increase their willingness or, or Telling them, you know, death is okay. And and it is alarming when you hear those numbers
7: about
2: the the attitudes of the kids today. Well, death is a part of life, but we we protect life from conception to natural death. We don't accelerate it or we don't use it as a solution for our frustrations with ourselves or our lives or our, you know, uh, whatever it happens to be. And uh, certainly... You know, the less love that there is in the world and the more we're at each other's throats and everybody seems like we're hating each other. I mean, we're creating a culture where somebody who's already depressed looks out on that and says, huh, well, maybe this is a solution. So, you know, the love of Christ, all the more important for us to figure out how do we shed that abroad in our own hearts and uh, out in our culture that just seems desperate for love and is choosing all the wrong things when it doesn't feel like it can find it. Bobby Schindler, thank you so much. We've got life and hope. Dot com, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Have a wonderful day.
11: Thank you, Matt. God bless you.
2: All right, Father Jonathan Jun- Duncan joins us next to preview the Sunday Mass readings. It's 14 till.
11: Born from the heart of St. Daniel, Comboni, the Comboni missionaries have served the poorest and most abandoned people in the world for more than 150 years. The Combonis improved quality of life with resources like food, clean water, and medicine. They provide vital education in schools and spiritually minister through the sacraments, all while preparing local Christian leaders to serve their people now and in the future. Find out more at ComboniMissionaries.org. Central Fabricators
6: is proud to support the Sunrise Morning Show, where you'll get news from the Catholic perspective while keeping you up to date on what's happening in the Vatican as well. It's also a great way to keep in touch with the Catholic faith throughout the week. Central Fabricators, based in Cincinnati, Ohio, is a family-owned business for over 75 years. Manufacturing and repairing corrosion-resistant storage tanks, reactors, and pressure vessels. On the web at centralfabricators.com. That's centralfabricators.com. Tis
2: the season for
6: iced tea.
2: If you're looking for some unique flavors to enjoy, the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have a number of options, including lemongrass mint, ginger orange, and blossoming jasmine.
1: Go check them out through our link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. And when you make a purchase, we earn a commission.
2: While you're at our site, pick up a mug or etched travel mug, which are available in our online store.
1: Get your mugs and link to Mystic Monk Coffee for tea at sunrisemorningshow.com. What's stopping you
8: from becoming a Catholic? Why can't women become priests?
14: I don't understand why I have
15: to earn salvation.
0: How
8: is it possible that God created everything? Why do I need to confess my sins to why a priest?
15: Why is Catholic Church so unwilling to rec? The Catholic Church is too rich. Catholics
8: worship Mary and our community. As, far, our as are far as I'm concerned, all
9: religions are
8: equal. You are called to communion with Dr.
17: David Anders. Today, 2 p.m. Eastern on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Hi, this is
14: Janet Williams. You don't have to be a woman to enjoy Women of Grace. Today at 11 a.m. Eastern Time on EWTN Radio. Now back to the Sunrise Morning Show.
2: 11 till here's Anna with headlines.
1: Three top pro-abortion groups are expected to endorse President Biden and join him at a rally later today to mark one year since the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Papal almoner Cardinal Konrad Krajewski is being sent on another charitable mission to Ukraine, and a new report out from Aid to the Church in Need says religious freedom violations take place in one out of every three countries.
2: News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Father Jonathan Duncan from the Diocese of Charleston to take a look at the Mass readings for. This Sunday on the calendar as we head to the 12th Sunday in Ordinary Time. Father Duncan, good morning. Hey, good morning, Matt. You know, it's fascinating to me. We're going to hear it in uh, the Gospel reading from Matthew chapter 10, uh, where Jesus says, Are not two sparrows sold for a small coin, yet not one of them falls to the ground without your Father's knowledge? Even all the hairs of your head are counted. doesn't take long on a guy like me. Uh, But he also uh, makes a reference to birds in Matthew chapter 6. A few chapters earlier, where uh, Jesus talks about, you know, why do you worry about what you're going to eat or drink or your body, what you will wear? Look at the birds. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your Heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than them? I find it interesting that there are a couple places in Matthew's Gospel where Jesus tells us we're more valuable than birds.
19: Yeah, you know, there's some comfort there. I think it was... um you know I, i'm trying to remember who exactly i think it was lewis who said you know it, essentially that uh, in that line about the lord you know feeding and, and caring for the the sparrows that you know it would have been easier uh if we were made a little bit more like the sparrows you know if our, if our if our needs were kind of that simple but um no i mean that's the the thread running through is essentially you know god taking care of the faithful and it starts with a reading from Jeremiah. Jeremiah, of course, was a, a priest and a, a prophet in Israel in the last days of the, the southern kingdom, right before uh, the the great empire of Babylon would, would come in to conquer and send the people into exile. He prophesied that that was coming, and as a result, he was very unpopular in Jerusalem in the last days and the kind of waning days of the, the southern empire or the, the southern kingdom. And As a result, he was uh, persecuted, uh, he was abused, he was ridiculed because he called out uh, the idolatry, he called out the injustice of of the Southern Kingdom, and that made him no friends. And so you have this, you know, the, the hearing from the Prophet Jeremiah about the attacks from all of these people, but then the confidence that the Lord is with him and is going to Take care of him, and then we have that kind of echoed in the gospel. That as as Jesus' disciples are sent out, uh, we're reminded the hairs of your head are counted. The Lord, you know, He sees. Now, the fact that He sees the sparrows when they fall doesn't mean that the sparrows don't fall. So, you know, with that suffering, you know, Jeremiah suffered in great persecution. And the only promise we receive from the Lord is that it's not going to be outside of the Father's plan, and it's certainly not going to be outside of his viewing and his beholding. But that doesn't mean that there's not going to be suffering for the truth, just like Jeremiah experienced.
2: Well, I mean, that suffering for the truth can take various forms, you know, and I think that we suffer quite a lot of annoyance, and uh, very often in our situation here is Americans it's a lot of like philosophical battles uh, where we uh, feel like we're trying to you know argue anthropologies against anthropologies and you know what that means in the public square and for free speech uh, but at the same time that's being fought in a different way a very different way with our brothers and sisters in Nigeria where we just heard of a another priest who was captured and released after being tortured and came back with severe head wounds uh, basically, All the clergy in Nicaragua have been sent packing, right? I mean, uh, there are different costs for different people at different times and in different places. But, you know, when I think about the witness of some of these people who have had, I mean, just awful persecutions come upon them. Like I say, our brothers and sisters in Nigeria, priests shot dead coming coming back to their parish. And I think to themselves, nothing's concealed that will not be revealed. That might be a hidden suffering. That might be something that it just doesn't seem like there's a solution. But God's eye is on that priest, right? And there is something that is on God's heart for his people who have stood up under this that we might never ever see in this life, the reward he has prepared for those who are faithful under that.
19: And it's absolutely. And, you know, and the promise of the, of the last judgment, is not is not simply that you know we're going to find out you know who's going who's going which direction you know up or up or down you know ultimately heaven or or, or Gehenna uh, you know the the fiery torment that our Lord refers to in the Gospel but it's also acknowledging like in the in that last judgment will also be um, God's justice addressing all of these hidden things which which refer to like all of uh, you know, the priests that we've never heard of, that will never make the news, who suffered persecution and, you know, from Boko Haram and, and you know, these, these terrorists halfway around the world, um, whose names are never going to be known, maybe, maybe other than uh, by their parishioners. But the promise of a final judgment is that one day God is going to set things right. And he's going to render judgment on every injustice, including those. Every every persecution, he is going to render judgment. And this is the whole promise of, of the book of Psalms. You know, The Lord is going to come with equity in the end and rule the earth with justice and truth and set things right and vindicate uh, the poor and the oppressed. And that's the promise, and that's the promise that... Certainly, Jeremiah understood, as he knew that he would one day be vindicated, even now, as as both Christians and Jews read his prophecies and uh, invoke him as as a faithful prophet. And then, of course, in the final judgment, when that vindication will come and the righteous will shine in the kingdom of the Father.
2: Well, if God is a God who secures justice for the poor and reaches out to the downtrodden and looks out for those that nobody is looking out for, and we want to be like God, well, I think, I think that might be our marching orders too, <laughs> right? Definitely. Secure justice for Absolutely. the poor. Find the downtrodden and lift them up and, uh, and all the rest of it. Father Jonathan Duncan, have a great day. Talk to you soon. That wraps it up for the Sunrise Morning Show. Thank you for being with us on a Friday. We'll talk to you again on a Monday. May God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace. God
5: vacation